أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك لعبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir page by page in which inshallah ta'ala we're going to take a page at a time of the Quran the book of Allah Azza wa Jal and make its tafsir Today inshallah ta'ala we are on page number 11 of the first juz in Surah Al-Baqarah and we were speaking in the last episode uh, and in fact, we've we've actually started some of page eleven because it was connected to the previous page and the story that we had begun speaking about, and that is the story after which this surah is named, the story of the people of the cow, Al Baqarah, and that is a story that took place in the time of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Allah azza wa jal, and we will recap that story briefly, uh, but we'll do so in light of the uh, first verse that we're going to take today. And page number 11 begins with verse number 70. But in the previous episode, we already spoke about verses 70 and 71 because it was connected with the part of the story that we've begun. So sometimes, even though this is a tafsir page by page, we may do slightly less or more than a page just to keep the, the verses of the Quran in context. And so it's easy, inshallah ta'ala, for us to make tafsir. Uh, otherwise, it may you know become difficult to follow and it may become slightly disjointed. So in verse number 72, where we begin today, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَإِذْ قَتَلْتُمْ نَفْسًا فَادَّارَأْتُمْ فِيهَا وَاللَّهُ مُخْرِجٌ مَا كُنْتُمْ تَكْتُمُونَ Then when you, meaning, O children of Israel, O Bani Israel, when you killed someone, or some of you killed someone and started to blame one another, although Allah Azza wa Jal was to bring about that which you had concealed to light. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, almost is telling us the beginning of the story that we had already started to mention. So as we said before, Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying, remember when you killed someone, when amongst you there was murder that was committed. As we mentioned in our previous episode, uh, Allah Azza wa Jalla tells us this story because there was a man from Bani Israel that was murdered, killed. And the people wanted to realize or find his murderer. So when they came to the Prophet Musa alayhi salatu the Prophet Musa gave them a number of instructions or gave them a single instruction in terms of how to find the murderer. And that was that they should sacrifice, slaughter a cow. Rather than accepting that instruction from Musa and obeying the command of Allah they chose instead to be argumentative, to make excessive questioning, to ask about the type of cow and the color of the cow and the description of the cow to an extent that those cows or any cow which may have sufficed, because when Allah says sacrifice a cow, just as we're told, for example, in Eid or when you make Hajj, that you have to slaughter or sacrifice an animal, go and sacrifice a sheep, sacrifice, go and make sacrifice, you're told that this is the minimum age that that sheep or cow or camel has to be in order for the sacrifice to be correct. Once that is done, and some general principles, you know, make sure it's not overly injured or that it's, 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 it's disabled or whatever. As those restrictions are met, then you may go and sacrifice any cow, any camel, any color. There is no problem in doing so. These people are told, go and sacrifice a cow. 
rather than choosing the potential hundreds or even thousands of cows that may have been available, they start to ask questions. What, what type of cow? So the age is restricted. What color of the cow? So the color is restricted. We still don't understand the kind of cow you want. So Allah tells them the physical description and the type of work that he must not have done before. So now from all of the cows, it is restricted to a single one. The question that is uh, that, that poses itself here is that in verse 72, Allah is telling us the reason behind this story. But the reason behind the story comes towards the end of the story rather than the beginning. So it would have made more sense usually logically the way that you tell a story is you tell the cause of the story, the reason, and then what took place in terms of the investigation. Someone died, and this is the investigation process, and this is the end. That's how it usually works. right? That's how a story would logically be told or generally be told. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't do so here. What Allah azza wa jal does is he mentions the investigation part first, which is the command of sacrificing the cow and that whole discourse that takes place. And then after that's concluded and Allah tells us that they slaughtered the cow, he tells us the reason why. And remember, when you, when you killed someone and you started to cast blame upon one another. So the question is why? Why delay the cause and then... Uh, delayed the cause after the whole discourse of how and what took place in terms of finding the murderer. And the answer is simple, and that is because this is one of the main purposes of this particular story. In fact, it is one of the main purposes of the whole surah, and that is why the surah is named after it. And that is that from the core, uh, the core attributes of the believer, one of the foundations of iman is to submit to Allah immediately and to submit to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then the Prophet told us sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the hadith, "None of you truly believes until he loves me more than he loves his parents and his children and all of the people." What does that hadith mean? When you love someone to that level that you submit to them, that you obey them, that you follow them in terms of the guidance that they have set for you. That is the love that we should have for the Prophet ﷺ and the love that we should have first and foremost for our Lord and Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when Allah gives a command in the Quran, pray, or give zakah, or fast, or perform hajj, or be good to your parents, or be merciful to the young, or be good to your neighbors and hospitable to the guest, don't oppress, don't hurt people, don't take their property unlawfully, and so on and so forth. All of these commands that we have within our religion, you immediately submit to them wholeheartedly. That is Iman. It is not Iman that you go and you start to debate the Qur'an or try to debate the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And once you have finished and exhausted all lines of inquiry, then you actually submit maybe unwillingly or begrudgingly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here that these people killed someone, started to blame one another, and Allah brought out that which they tried to conceal, meaning the murder is trying to be concealed by the murderer. Allah will make it known who it is that committed that murder. But there was a law and a process and a method that had to be followed. That method is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the believers to submit to. He tells the believers that they must submit to this method that Allah places. This is why we have the sharia. We have these laws, we have these restrictions, we have these rules that Allah has placed for us in the Qur'an and that the Prophet ﷺ gave to us in his sunnah. That is the method that you must follow. If you're unwilling to follow that, then that is a sign of weakness of iman and it is a sign of a lack of submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
in verse number 73, Allah Azza wa Jal concludes this story and He says, فَقُلْنَا ضْرِبُوهُ بِبَعْضِهَا كَذَلِكَ يُحْيِي اللَّهُ الْمَوْتَى وَيُرِيكُمْ آيَاتِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِنُونَ We said, strike the body with a part of the cow. Allah Azza wa says, why, why did they have to slaughter the cow? Why did Allah Azza wa instruct them at the time of this murder that had been committed, that the way that they would ascertain the murderer and his identity is to sacrifice the cow? Allah Azza wa says, because after the sacrifice, they were told to take a part of the cow, and the scholars of tafsir differ as to exactly which part of the cow. It is said that it was a leg or a shoulder and so on. But either way, that's not important. The important thing is that it is a part of the cow. And this is also an important principle in the Quran that it is sometimes nice to know or we are sometimes eager to know the details of okay what type of cow or, or what, where were these people living on what land and and what was the you know what was the type of or the, or the part of the cow that was used and so on but Allah Azza doesn't go into such specifics usually speaking unless there is a principle and reason to do so when Allah Azza makes things generic it is because the detail here isn't important it won't increase you in anything it doesn't give you any added sense of of, of information in the sense that it increases your iman or it brings you closer to Allah through a principle. Rather, the principle is being mentioned here. And that is that the reason why they were told to sacrifice a cow is to take a part of the cow and strike or place it upon the dead man's body. And when they would do so, Allah would bring that man back to life for a short period of time through which he would be able to identify his murder. And then he would pass away once again. And that is from the miracle that Allah Azza wa gives to his prophets and messengers alayhi salatu wassalam. And that is why Allah Azza wa says, كَذَٰلِكَ يُحْيِي اللَّهُ الْمَوْتَىٰ Thus does Allah bring the dead to life, and thus does he show his signs so that you may understand. For those people it was a sign. For those people it is a sign of Allah's power, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability to bring the dead back to life. But this was the reasoning behind it. There is always, therefore, a hikmah and a wisdom behind all of the legislation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, as Muslims, we have to have enough humility and humbleness to understand and recognize and acknowledge that sometimes we may not understand and know what that wisdom is. So when people say, how come women have to cover up all the time? How come men have to have a beard? How come men have been given certain uh, certain, certain responsibilities over and above women? How come uh, the Muslim law says you can cut off the hand of the thief? And all of these things that we have. Sometimes we know the wisdom and sometimes we can articulate and understand it. Sometimes we may guess at the wisdom. We may say according to our best understanding, this seems to be the case and Allah knows best. And at other times we simply do not know. We don't know. I gave the example previously of the statement of Ali radiallahu anhu when he said that if we were to use our intellect, then when he came to wiping over the socks in wudu, we would wipe below the sock, beneath, underneath the sock rather than above it. But Allah Azza commanded us to wipe above the sock. The Prophet ﷺ showed us that's what we have to do. Why? We don't necessarily know. But it is enough for us to submit because that is part of the iman and the belief that we have in Allah and in the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. It is that iman that when you have it in the heart, that is so beautiful and so amazing, that when you hear a verse of the Qur'an, or you hear a command of the Prophet ﷺ, as the companions used to be, you submit wholeheartedly. 
even if it doesn't make sense to me, even if my heart wants to reject it, even if my desires go against it, I will submit to what Allah says and what the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If you look at the example of the likes of Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu an, what made them so great amongst all of the other companions, what gave them the extra station and virtue and status in Islam, it was this element. That they were people who when they heard the verse of Allah being recited, they would stop. They wouldn't argue, they wouldn't say that doesn't apply to me, they wouldn't say yes, but even if it doesn't apply to them. The fact that Allah says something and someone is reciting to them the words of Allah, they would have enough humbleness in their heart, enough fear of Allah in their heart, enough iman and love for Allah in their heart that they would stop. And that's why the companions, for example, used to say concerning Umar, radiallahu an kana waqafan inda kitab ta'ala. He was someone who stopped at the verses of Allah If he heard a verse, he would just stop and he wouldn't say anything else. He said, Umar radiallahu an, on one example said to the people of his time when he was the Khalifa, that when he comes to giving the dowry in marriage, the dowry, don't give so much money. Don't give so, many, so much money to, to people in dowry because when you do that, then people start to compete. You gave 10,000, so I have to give 15. You gave 15, I have to give 20. And all of a sudden, you're pricing people out of marriage or you're in making them incur a heavy level of debt in order to get married. So a woman stood up and she said, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, O leader of the Muslims, how can you limit the dowry of a woman when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that even if you want to give one of them a qintar, a mountains-like of wealth in dowry, you're not allowed to take anything back from it. Allah said you can give up to... And so the Umar radiallahu an stopped. Because Allah just said that. Who is he to restrict something when Allah has made it open? Even though what Umar radiallahu an is saying is correct in its own way. And as good practice amongst people getting married, it is better for them not to demand such types of wealth. It is permissible, yes, but is it better? Is that a greater benefit for society and for people's families and even the married couple that they don't go into their marriage in such a state of debt? Of course. But you can't restrict the religion of Allah. If someone decides that's what they want, then that's their position. That's up to them. It's their choice. And it's for the groom to accept or to reject that. And so this is the way the companions were when he came to the book of Allah Azza wa That all comes from the state of the heart. And that is why in verse 74, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us this amazing, beautiful verse that shows to us the importance of the heart being humbled, of iman entering into the heart, and the heart being the core part of the body that has to have that iman embedded within it so that the rest of the body can then conform. The mind, the limbs, the tongue, all of it conforms to what is deeply entrenched within the heart. The stronger that iman and khashya of Allah Azza wa that fear of Allah is in the heart, that love of Allah is in the heart, the greater the rest of the body is in conforming. And the weaker the, and more fragile that the iman is in the heart, then the harder and more difficult it is for a person to do so. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore gives the example of the heart and he says, ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ مِنْ مَعْدِ ذَلِكَ فَهِيَ كَالْحِجَارَةِ أَوْ أَشَدُّ قَسْوَةِ even after that, your hearts became as hard as rocks, or even harder. Allah Azza wa is saying that those people who rejected Allah's commands, this story of the people of the cow and what they were doing and so on, it's because their hearts were harder than rocks. Like rocks, Allah says, oh, ashaddu qaswa, or even harder than rocks. Why harder than rocks? Why are they like rocks? Because when you see a rock and a boulder, 
You don't expect necessarily anything soft from it. It's not the image of something which is soft or comfortable or something which you would use to associate with humbleness or, or, or t- a type of humility. But Allah Azza wa says that even amongst the rocks there are those that have humility and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So your hearts, when you reject Allah's religion, when you disobey Allah's commands, when you pay no mind to Allah's instructions, the instructions of His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in reality your heart has become harder than those rocks and than those stones. Because Allah Azza wa goes on and to say, وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْحِجَارَةِ لَمَا يَتَفَجَّرُ مِنْهُ الْأَنْهَارِ Because indeed from the rocks there are those which streams spring out from. Aren't there rocks that you can get water from, that streams come from, that springs emerge from? Isn't there water that you find within the mountains? So even despite the the strength and the formidable nature of those rocks and stones of the mountains, you will still find water trickling down. Meaning that the person who, even if they're by nature, because some people by nature are very strong or rough and tough, it's just their nature the way that they are. But when it comes to their heart, they're humble when it comes to the region of Allah Azza wa Jalla and the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you were again to take the example of that noble companion Umar radiallahu anhu, if you were to say the name of Umar to most people, the image that comes to your mind from his description, from the stories that you've heard, is that he's a man of courage, of strength, of power. People, the other people would, would kind of fear and slightly be aware, wary of because of his strength and his power and his courage, radiallahu anhu ardah. But despite that, was he someone who was arrogant of heart? Was he someone who, whose heart was humble, who didn't fear Allah Azza wa You will find if you read the biography of Umar radiallahu an, how many instances of Umar crying, of Umar being humble, of Umar stopping at the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at Umar being gentle with the people because he knows that this is part of what Allah Azza wa has commanded upon him, whether he's the Khalifa or whether it is before the time that he was Khalifa and he was from amongst the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So even those who may have the external appearance of being hard and tough and rough, in their hearts they can still be humble, and they can st- because people have different natures. Allah Azza wa Jalla isn't saying you necessarily have to change your personality and your nature so long as your character is good and you don't do anything haram. Some people naturally are like that. Some people naturally are people who are, uh, you know, the way that they speak or the way that they behave, they're kind of harsh and they're rough and tough. There are prophets who were given that nature, like Musa alayhi salatu was known to have something of a tough nature. Umar radiallahu and likewise from amongst the companions. You don't find Allah azza wa jal saying that Musa alayhi salam is any less. Or the Prophet sallallahu saying about Umar radiallahu that he's any less because of the nature that he has. So long as they conform to the commands of Allah azza wa jal. The exterior may be like that, but the interior, the heart is soft. The heart is humble. The heart is one that fears and loves Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says wa inna minha lama yashaqqaqu fayakhruju minhu al-ma' and from those rocks are those which water comes out of when they are split open. Like in the story that we mentioned in the previous episode of Musa alayhi salatu wassalam when Bani Israel wanted to drink he struck his staff upon the rock and they came from it 12 springs that gushed forth. That shows to us that even from the rocks, there are those that a trickle of water come in from, come come out from, and there are those that hold streams and rivers gush forth from. And so Allah says that even the hardest of rocks, they have a level of, of softness within them from the punishment from, from the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And Allah Azza wa Jal gives a third example. وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَهْبِطُ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ اللَّهِ And others which fall down, collapse in awe and reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Doesn't Allah Azza wa Jal give us the example of the mountain that is also found in the story of um, the story of Musa alayhi salatu wassalam when he revealed Allah azza wa jal revealed himself or a part of himself to that mountain فَلَمَّا تَجَلَّ رَبُّهُ لِلْجَبَلِ جَعَلَهُ دَكَّةً وَخَرَّ مُوسَى صَعِيقًا that the mountain crumbled by seeing Allah azza wa jal or a porch of a small part of the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it crumbled and was rent asunder will not the mountains crumble on yawm al-qiyamah when Allah Azza wa Jal tells us in the Quran that the, 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 the mountains will be rendered asunder, what is Allah Azza wa Jal telling us therefore that these formidable creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even they fear Allah Azza wa Jal because they are from the creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the human, because by virtue of their free will and their ability to choose what they do or they don't do, what they accept and they don't accept, what they believe or don't believe in, some of their hearts become harder than those rocks and those mountains that Allah Azza wa Jal is referring to. And so therefore the believer is the one whose heart is always humble, whose heart is soft, so that when the commands of Allah come and the verses of Allah are recited to them, the reminder from Allah is given to them, their heart is able to accept, their heart is able to welcome that guidance within it, and to then allow the rest of the body to conform. But if the heart is hard, then no matter how much revelation is given, no matter how much good is given, that heart will find it very difficult to accept that. And clearly, the more that a person worships Allah, remembers Allah, the softer the heart becomes, the least or the less that a person worships Allah, the more that they disobey Allah and turn away from Allah, the harder that heart becomes. And that is why Allah Azza wa concludes this verse by saying, And Allah is not unaware of that which you do. Allah knows the hearts of people. And that is why the Prophet told us وسلم, in that beautiful hadith, Indeed, in the body there is a morsel of flesh, an organ. If it is good and pure and rectified, the rest of the body becomes good and pure and rectified. And if it is evil and corrupt, then the rest of the body becomes evil and corrupt. Indeed, Indeed it is the heart. And it is therefore the heart that is so important because that is the place where your taqwa resides. It is the place where your love and fear of Allah resides. It is the place where your hope of Allah in Allah Azza wa and His promise resides. It is the place where everything, all of those major acts of worship that are of, of, the, of the nature of the heart, all of them reside within that single organ that Allah Azza wa has placed within our bodies. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues on verse number 75 and He says, أَفَتَطْمَعُونَ أَن يُؤْمِنُوا لَكُمْ مَقَدَ كَانَ فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ يَسْمَعُونَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ يُحَرِّفُونَهُ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا عَقَلُوهُ وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ So can you then hope that such people will believe in you when some of them used to hear the words of Allah and then deliberately twist them even when they understood them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that there will always be a group from amongst those disbelievers from the people of the scripture, from the Jews and the Christians who will never believe. So Allah Azza wa is saying, don't hope in their iman. Just because they claim to follow divine scripture, or they claim to follow some of the prophets and messengers of Allah, don't think that that automatically will make them accept the Quran and the Prophet Because you know now, because Allah Azza wa has told us through the story of the people of the book and so on, and through the stories and the, and the verses that came before in the passages that we've already mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah, that they were from amongst them people who would hear the commands of Allah 
the verses of Allah, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah azza wa jalla, look at this verse, He calls His commands, His revelation, His speech. يَسْمَعُونَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ that shows to you therefore that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah azza wa jal spoke with his revelation, be it the Torah, be it the Injil, be it the Zabur, be it the Qur'an. These are the words and the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the iman that we have. That these are the actual words of Allah azza wa jal that were then revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa by way of the angel Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam. They were people Allah says, don't be disappointed when they don't believe. Because they are from amongst their traits is that they are people who hear the words of Allah and then they deliberately change them and twist them. Allah said, as we mentioned in the previous verse, that He said to them, when you go into the Holy Land, seek Allah's forgiveness. Say the word hitta, which means, oh Allah, relieve us of our sin. And what did they do? They changed it to hinta. Allah gave us the example. Allah said, don't fish on the Sabbath. So they cast out their nets the day before and brought them in the day after. They're given words of Allah and commands and they change and they twist them. And this is something which therefore the believers have to be extremely wary of because they did so knowing what Allah actually wanted, knowing the command of Allah Azza wa Like unfortunately Muslims do all the time or sometimes anyway. When we know this is what Allah actually wants us to do, but then we find a way that, you know, we kind of like fool ourselves into believing that actually it's okay if I do it this way or that way. And in our heart of hearts, deep down, if you were to look as the Prophet ﷺ said, when the man came and he asked him, Oh, Messenger of Allah, how do I recognize sin? He said, Istafti qalbak. Ask your heart. Do you feel content in your heart? Do you feel at ease when you do this? And if you were to ask any Muslim who's sincere and true in their heart, even if they don't say it, even if they don't, are unwilling to express it, but if they were to sit by themselves and just to reflect on their heart, do you feel at ease? The answer would be no. Because you know that you feel uncomfortable, because in your heart you know that actually you're not really following what Allah wants you to follow, you're trying to find a way around it. You're trying to find a justification or an excuse not to do as Allah commands. And that is what Allah warns us against. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us concerning those from amongst them who may be hypocrites. Allah Azza wa says in verse number 76, وَإِذَا لَقُوا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا قَالُوا آمَنَّا وَإِذَا خَلَا بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَىٰ بَعْضٍ قَالُوا أَتُحَدِّثُونَهُمْ وَإِذَا خَلَا بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَىٰ بَعْضٍ قَالُوا أَتُحَدِّثُونَهُمْ بِمَا فَتَحَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمْ لِيُحَاجُّوكُمْ بِهِ عِنْدَ رَبِّكُمْ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ when they meet the believers, meaning some of those people from the people of the book, they say, we too believe. But when they are alone with one another, they say, how could you tell them about God's revelation to us? They will be able to use it to argue against you before your Lord, have you no sense? They're saying that from amongst them, there are people who, when they are with the believers, the Muslims, they say, we believe as well. And when they go back to one another, they said they say to one another, don't tell those people what we have in our scriptures, in the Torah, in the Injil, in the Torah and the Gospel and so on. Don't tell them. Because if you do so, they will find justifications to show to you that actually what you are doing is wrong by virtue of your own words and your own scripture. And they are warning each other against this. Meaning they know that even in what has survived of their scriptures, there are still commands from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know, for example, that Allah azza wa jal commands in the Bible that they shouldn't eat certain things, shouldn't drink certain things, shouldn't perform in certain ways or act in certain ways. 
But there are many people who adhere to those religions today that will ignore those those commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They've chosen to ignore some of those commands that they found within their own scriptures. But they're still there. They've just tried to explain them away or, or whatever it is that they're trying to do. This is something which Allah warns the believers against as well. That is sometimes you find people coming to the Quran and saying, no, but actually this means that or this. Or in the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And we're not speaking about people who justifiably have knowledge, use the principles of the Sharia and the actions of the Salaf to give understanding and context to the Quran and the Sunnah, because that is valid. That's what the tafsir is. That's that's what the study of the Quran and the Sunnah is, and what it necessitates. But as for those people who have no knowledge, have no principles, but simply come to use as an excuse and a justification not to have to do certain things or to not to obey certain commands of Allah Azza wa Jal, this is what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala warns us against, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. 